0: Welcome to In Conversation. I'm Rachel Gavilan. In Conversation features Dean Michael Horswell and faculty from Florida Atlantic University's Dorothy F. Schmidt College of Arts and Letters, talking about research and creative activities that span the arts, humanities, and social sciences. FAU has become home to a unique collection of images showcasing 1940s and 50s Latin American artists, architecture, and culture. Among these are 25,000 slides by renowned photographer Florence Arquin. Arquin was a contemporary and friend of artists Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera. She also hoped her work would enhance the study of Latin America and promote Pan-Americanism. Art history professor Emily Fenichel and graphic design professor Camilla Afanadorjak have made it their mission to bring Arquin's work to life for a 21st century audience through a digital archive of FAU's Arquin collection.
1: You know, we have 25,000 slides. We have images of modern architecture, colonial architecture. It's fascinating to me because so many of her papers are actually archived and they're digitized in the Archive of American Art. So we know a lot about why she took these images, how she took these images, and it just so happens that we have them. So, you know, it, it seems really worthwhile to try to bring these back online and more accessible than they are now.
0: Dr. Fenichel and Professor Afanadorjak are Dean Horswell's guests for this edition of In Conversation. They sat down with him in February of 2020.
2: Thank you for joining me, Professor Emily Finichel and Professor Camilla afanador to this edition of In Conversation.
3: Thank you for having us. Yes, thank
2: you. So today it's kind of a new experiment for In Conversation to have two guests. I usually only have one, so I'm excited to have both of you here. And I think the conversation's really emblematic of the diversity of our college and the different kinds of disciplines that come together to work on projects. and. One thing that's really interesting about what we're going to be talking today is we have a professor of graphic design, uh, Camilla, and a professor of art history, Emily, um, working together on a project and that they're going to describe, which is really at the cutting edge of what we might call the digital humanities, the digital arts and humanities. So um, maybe you could start out in telling us a little bit about this research project you've been working on. Emily?
1: Sure. When I was hired by FAU in 2014, Um, I was given control over the art history slide library which is not much more than a windowless room across from my office and I remember one of my uh, senior colleagues more senior colleagues saying you know we actually have some really interesting images in there in the slides you should take a look and so I was here for a couple of years and decided well maybe I will take a look and came across uh, the name Florence Arquin and started doing some research and figured out that we have 25,000 of her slides and that it is one of the original collections of uh, the university, and more so that the content of the slides and how they were created is a really fascinating story. And I thought, I have a background in the digital humanities as well, and I thought, well, this is a really good place to start if I want a digital humanities project here at FAU.
2: Tell us a little bit about the slides. What do they represent?
1: Florence Arquin was hired by the State Department in the 1940s and 50s, to fly down into Latin America, Mexico, Bolivia, Peru, Brazil, to take pictures of life and culture and technology and agriculture and just about everything that you could think of to bring back to the United States. The goal was to create a series of educational sort of slide sequences together with a a script, right, that would be distributed to educational institutions across the United States. Um, That never really panned out. Unfortunately, by the time she came back, the notion of Pan-Americanism, she had gone under there, she had gone down to Latin America thinking about Pan-Americanism, that we're all one America and, you know, one hemisphere, and we're going to, to think about ourselves that way, had really given way to the concerns of the Cold War. And so the slides that she had taken while they were individually interesting to certain scholars never sort of caught on in the way that they wanted them to in terms of buying entire series of slides and for educational institutions. And after a while, the State Department, which had held them, deaccessioned them. And it was, I think, in what, 1964 that FAU put together the money and purchased them because they thought that they would be a really useful educational resource for the university. But we have images of everything. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hard. You know, we have 25,000 slides. We have images of modern architecture, colonial architecture, something that she calls Indian life, which would be sort of the, the indigenous peoples of all of these different regions.
3: Colonial churches. There's a big part of the mm-hmm. collection that is Mexican colonial churches. And just to continue the conversation into how the project came to be and how I particularly got involved in the project. It came from, I think, a conversation that we had. Emily talking about the collection and telling me about all these images of Latin America, which I hold as a special interest, even though there are no images of Colombia, which is my home country, but still. And talking also about the digital humanities, which has been an interest of mine coming from the perspective of a designer, how collaboration between humanists, designers, developers, make possible to give access to such a collection. And that's why we're pursuing the possibility of making these slides accessible to the public through digitization and cataloging and creating a platform, a public platform for people to be able to access so that real scholarship can start to happen around what this collection offers and all the subjects.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fascinating. So what would you find is the greatest value of these particular slides, these particular photographs? What makes them unique and and interesting for the scholarly world or for the general public? Emily?
1: I can speak from the perspective of a historian. For me, I'm fascinated by the notion that the State Department would pay somebody to travel to take these photographs in an attempt to try to educate the American public on what is going on in Brazil in the 1950s. I mean, to me, that's a really fascinating idea. And then to think about those images what story is she telling about Brazil when she goes there, for example? What story is she telling about, you know, Mexican colonial churches when she when she brings them back and puts a script to them? So for me, it's the sort of historical context of their making is really rich. Um, we can talk about Pan-Americanism, which today has sort of morphed into hemispheric studies, right? So there is this notion of, of a kind of continuum of thought about the hemisphere. And I think all of those things would be really interesting. I mean, it's interesting for me as a historian and also... I know that some of the churches that she's photographed are no longer standing, or they have been significantly altered in the intervening years. So I imagine for a number of historians, you know, a number of my sort of colleagues in in art and architectural history that that's going to be a really kind of fascinating thing to study. Camilla? To
3: continue the question of what sort of value we see in these photographs, aside from architecture and the value, the historical documentation that is there, is a type of documentation that might not be that common to find in in the art world. And an example that comes to mind are a set of photographs that we found in the collection that showcase portraits done by different Mexican artists of the time. And the portrait on its own they usually use the same model. Her name was? Uh, Maria
1: Asensolo.
3: And then there are photographs of her standing next to the painting of all of these artists. So we find that there are some documentations that are not that usual and we are hoping that there's more that we haven't seen and that we get to discover once everything is digitized.
2: Mm-hmm. And wh- who are some of the artists that were represented in that series?
1: Well, I mean, I, I think the names that would be most familiar to us would be that Florence Arquin was really good friends with Diego Rivera and Frida Kahlo. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you go online to uh, Google Images, for example, Google Art, if you go online to the Archives of American Art, and you search for really famous images of Diego Rivera and Frida Kahlo that get used over and over and over again, they're actually taken by Florence Arquin. She has this relationship not only with Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera, but also with a number of other modern Mexican painters that are working in and around Mexico City at that time. There are images of studios and the, the most astonishing series of images where she takes canvases that are still in progress and drags them out from the studio into the garden and props them up against a tree and snaps a picture. You know, that sort <laughs> wow. of, you know, Diego Rivera's murals in progress, that kind of thing. So wow. yeah, that's really, incredible. really remarkable images in that way.
2: And do we know if any researchers have ever used our collection before for writing art history of Mexico or other countries?
1: I know that somebody requested access maybe a few years before I got to FAU mm. and looked at them, but I don't know whatever came of that or even who that was. Mm. It's it's fascinating to me because so many of her papers are actually archived and they're digitized in the Archive of American Art. So we know a lot about why she took these images, how she took these images, and it just so happens that we have them. So, you know, it, it seems really worthwhile to try to you know, bring these back online and more accessible than they are now.
2: So, Camila, what is the uh, plan for the platform that you would like to build in order to showcase these slides?
3: So, the plan goes from starting by digitizing the slides, scanning them to have them in digital format, then... The process continues by creating metadata for all of these images, descriptive metadata, so that they will become discoverable, searchable. And then the platform, the public interface for these images to be consulted, we've been inspired by a couple of digital humanities projects into how they give access to uh, such a collection of images in which we are imagining being able to browse by geographic locations, since she has images from so many different countries in Latin America and specific towns. We imagine one of the options on our interface is to access them through a map so that you can have that entry point. But aside from that, we imagine like a catalog where we can also filter by other search terms, depending on how thorough our descriptions are so that people can go through that. So in that sense, the area that I'm very interested in is part of what I do here at FAU and I teach, which is user experience design, and it's to really think about how, let's say, scholars or people really looking into using the collection for scholarly purposes can find our interface useful for that purposes. We find a lot of digital interfaces that are difficult or are not very thoughtful of how people actually use it. So my main interest into this platform that we are going to build to make the collection accessible is really, really putting design as an important aspect of how this becomes
2: public. That's fantastic. And as you know, our college has the Americas Initiative which is a hemispheric studies approach to the Americas. And I would imagine this collection could become a very valuable research tool for those faculty and students work on the region. So having that kind of friendly interface for use of the collection, I imagine will be very important, not only for our own scholars, but of course those around the world who can access it.
3: Yes, that one important part that we haven't talked about, we know that the materials in the collection refer to mostly Latin America, so one part of our interest is to have all the metadata for the collection in English and in Spanish and maybe Portuguese so that we are appealing to the Americas.
2: It sounds like a big project. You, you have 25,000 slides to digitize. <laughs> That's an awesome uh, project just in itself. W- what's the plan for being able to realize this goal, Emily?
0: About two
1: years ago, two summers ago, we applied for an NEH Humanities Collections Implementation Grant. And as is normally the case with really large grants of this kind, we took it as an opportunity to sort of map out the project and figure out what we were doing and work out the relationships that we needed to work out in writing this grant. But we got really positive feedback from our first round, which was encouraging. So uh, we've applied again. We're waiting to hear back and we're Mm looking at other funding opportunities at this point.
2: Yeah, that's fantastic. And so the, the needs that the grants would cover would be the digitization of the slides, the building of the platform, and then it would be housed at FAU into perpetuity? Is that the idea?
3: Actually, a very important part of this type of grants is sustainability. Uh, they want to make sure that the project is going to be accessible in the long term and that we have the resources, the infrastructure, and the plan to make sure that it's going to be that way. So yeah, it's going to be housed uh, in FAU, and we have uh, worked in collaboration with the Office of Information Technology, their research area, to guarantee the access to the
1: infrastructures we need to make this possible that's maybe the most overlooked aspect of projects like this, or at least it was for the two of us, I think, coming into it. Digitization is one thing. Building the tool is another thing, but having it live somewhere on a server for the next 20 years is a, you know, it was something else to kind of wrap your head around. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And so, Emily, I'm curious. I know you as a Renaissance scholar of, of <laughs> art history, and your first uh, work was on Michelangelo, et cetera. So I'm just curious, uh, how is this work into your plan of being art historian?
1: I was really fortunate. I did my graduate work at the University of Virginia. Mm-hmm. And the University of Virginia Library has a department housed within it called IATH, um, the Institute for Advanced Technology and the Humanities. And when I was a graduate student there, one of my um, mentors was doing the Digital Leonardo Project in mm-hmm. which she was digitizing and then cataloging each individual chapter from some 40 odd separate handwritten versions, 16th and 17th century versions of Leonardo's treatise on painting. She brought me into this project to help with it. And I remember thinking, what in the heck am I doing here? <laughs> um, but the more that I got into it, the more that I became really fascinated by the possibilities that digital technologies offer humanity scholars. The opportunities to do things that you cannot do if you publish a book or an article it is publishing a tool, right? Um, A tool that is going to guide fellow scholars into doing something really interesting or that's going to aid their work. And so for me, I caught the bug a little bit when Mm. I worked on that project. Um, So yeah, the subject matter is a little far from what I normally work on, but the digital humanities aspect is absolutely right up my alley.
2: Mm, Fantastic. And Camilla, how does it connect to your main line of research work?
1: So part of what I
3: do in my research currently is finding all the bridges and connections between graphic design as a discipline with other disciplines, namely the humanities. Mm. And there's a very clear bridge that can be drawn uh, through the digital humanities and the way designers in collaboration with scholars and technologists can work together to common goals of a scholarship but also from the perspective of design to advance design as a discipline in terms of thinking about digital interfaces, archives, and how people actually use these tools. Design being a discipline that is human-oriented or um, working always from the perspective of the people that is actually going to benefit or not from a specific artifact that a designer might put out. So that's part of my big interest. The other comes more from me having been a practicing designer designing digital things like websites um, and being interested in how interfaces affect the way people interact with information. So that's kind of the way I come into it. That's part of how I tie it into what I do.
2: The synergy between the two of you is is fantastic. And I really hope to see uh, the Arkin Slide Collection Digitation Project funded and built over the next few years. It'll be exciting to watch. Thank you for joining me, Emily, In Conversation.
0: Thank you so much for having us.
2: And thank you, Camilla, for joining us.
0: Thank you,
1: Michael,
3: for inviting us.
0: You've been listening to Professor Emily Fenichel, Professor Camilla Afanadorjak, and Dean Michael Horswell of FAU's Dorothy F. Schmidt College of Arts and Letters, In Conversation. They were recorded in February of 2020. In early April, we learned that the National Endowment for the Humanities awarded Dr. Fenichel and Professor Afanadorjak funding for their project. In Conversation is a production of FAU's School of Communication and Multimedia Studies. I'm Rachel Gavilan. All of us thank you for listening, and we invite you to join us for another edition of In Conversation.